0: Welcome to the OA Light a Candle meeting podcast. Visit our, spe- our website at www.oalaig.org where you will find three separate speaker feeds with over 200 speaker files, forms for ordering CDs for speakers, and a place to donate to keep this special service active. I would now like to introduce our speaker for tonight, Frank C. Okay. Hello, everybody. I'm Frank Aye. And let me get the important things out of the way. i got, as you see, all these notes here. I want to say it's a privilege to be here today. I want to thank Mickey for inviting me. Um, my absent date is September 4th, 2005. Uh, my home group is the Thursday night uh, First Christians Church in Torrance. It's at 730. And my sponsor is Jack Z. Okay, we got all the stuff that really needs to be said and out of the way. So I'm just here to talk about what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. And, you know, today was such a nice day, I was thinking about this on the way over. Um, summer, I'll start with summer. Summer used to be a love relationship. Um, when I was a kid, summer was all the food things would happen, you know. We'd go to a ball game, we'd have food. We'd go camping, there'd be more food, you know. Uh... There, of course, there's the barbecues and all that kind of stuff. But the hate relationship came because I hated to take my shirt off. I hated to wear shorts. I hated people. I was so scared of you guys. And so, you know, somebody might invite me from someplace and say, you want to go? And I think about it, and I usually lie. And I'd say, I'm doing something with my parents. I can't go. And then I, my parents, I'd be sitting home on a Saturday, and they'd go, are you guys gonna do anything? You know it's Saturday, you know this kind of stuff in summer, and I go, no, there was nothing happening this weekend. So I'd lie both ways. and I was just staying at home all the time because I was afraid of life. And the only thing, well, at a young age, I figured out what I don't know, I just figured out that I was eating different than other people. I don't know if you ever had that feeling where you know you're eating the you know the third plate of food and everybody's still on their first, and you're going, Hmm, there's something weird here. And so you try to start, you figure out it's hide hider. It. You don't want to hide it. You don't want to tell anybody about this kind of stuff. So you just kind of like, you start doing it on the sneak. And that's what I was a sneak eater. So in the evenings, I'd sneak. I had this way with school. I would come home and I'd stop at person X's house first on the way home and I'd get a sandwich. And then I'd go to someplace else and I could uh, rake the leaves for my neighbors and she'd give me cookies and milk. And then I'd get home and my parents would say, Are you hungry? And I go, Oh, yeah, I'm starving. And I'd eat some more. And this is how my, my, as I grew up, I lied, I snuck food, I did whatever I could to get food. Now, um, So a typical day before I came in as an adult. Well, this is what I did. I would get up tired. I'd hit that snooze alarm about three times, jump up, take a shower. I was dead tired from the day before. And um, I would turn around and, uh, you know, jump into the car and and everybody tells you breakfast is your most important meal. So I would stop at the donut shop and buy a couple of Dunstan donuts. (laughs) And then, of course, I'd eat a couple before I'd go to work and I'd drop them off and they'd say, Frank's such a nice guy. He brings donuts for us every day. Little did they know, I'm just feeding my habit here. And then, of course, I'd take one or two there and then, of course, at 10 o'clock when everybody's kind of stopped eating the sugar, I'd finish off the box. And then, I was one of those guys, there's always one at work that has the jar of something on his desk. I was the, I was the guy with jar stuff. And people would come by to get stuff, and I'd always have pretzels. I'd have, I was, I'm a salt person. I'd always have potato chips and pretzels and peanuts and all that kind of stuff. And people would come and talk to me, and I'd, I'd be very social and talk to them. Of course, I had to have my food. And uh, they'd go, you're so nice for bringing this stuff in for us. And, you know, again, I'm feeding that my disease but everybody thinks I'm a nice guy, and then uh, I'd stay at work too late, because I was afraid of my wife, Uh, my wife's here tonight, I just want to say this out loud, Um, I'd get home, and um, I didn't know how to communicate, I mean, you know, you get marriage, I mean, I had this hole inside me, and one of the things I thought, besides, I knew food didn't quite do it, it it cut down my, my, my problem, but it didn't fix it, and you know, I turned around and got in relationships, and one of them was I got married. And, you know, I went on this big diet before the I met her, lost about 125 pounds. You know, I went out on the hunt. I found this woman, got married, and then my weight started creeping back. And I remember a neighbor telling my wife, why do you let them eat like that? Like she could control it. And all the weight came back and more. And I would not never talk to anybody. I wouldn't even talk to my wife about this kind of stuff. She has a car, well, she used to, and I hated being a passenger because I couldn't get the seatbelt on. But I would never tell her that. I just said, let me drive all the time. I lied. I sneak. I was all that kind of person. So anyways, I'd, get, I'd come home, and the first thing I would do is I'd, I had these bags of potato chips on the top of my refrigerator. I mean, not the small bags, the Costco-sized bags of potato chips, you know. And I'd take one down, I'd turn the TV on, and i start eating them. And the TV would stay on, and I'd be doing this. And when she would come and talk to me, I'd say, I can't, "I can't you see I'm watching this movie or I'm watching this football game or watching whatever I'm watching? Leave me alone. I'm trying to relax from work. And I would sit there and eat that bag of potato chips. She'd go to bed, and I'd finish it off. And I'd go to bed tired. And next morning, snooze alarm, and I'd start the whole day over again. My life was just one thing. I was so numb when I came into these rooms. I was also in physical pain. I started getting arthritis in my right knee, and I don't know about you, but I hate doctors, because what do they tell you the first thing you go in, get in the scale? And I never wanted to get in the scale, so I always stayed away from the doctors. And the doctor would uh, tell me stuff like, um, well, you know, some people get it earlier than others for arthritis, but it's probably your weight that's making it worse. And I didn't want to hear that, so I got... Physical problems going on with me, um, blood pressure, all that stuff. I'm not talking to anybody. I'm feeling miserable. I'm numb. All this stuff is going on, and what do I do? <laughs> I don't know. I, I'm like one of those guys. I, the analogy I like that I use a lot is I was in a bus. You see, you know, you're just driving down the street, and you're looking out the window, and you see all the people outside the bus doing something. And you know the bus is going, and you know eventually you're going to get off, but you don't know where you're going. And I'm just sitting there watching other people do something. And me, I'm just sitting there not knowing what I'm supposed to do. And that was my life day in and day out. Um, You know, I'm bringing home some money. I know. I got a house. Uh, I have a car. I have a wife. You know. We had a cat. I mean, we had all the things that I thought were supposed to be important in life. And I was just tired and numb. And uh, so... What happened is, is one day I picked up the paper in the South Bay area, which is where I come from, and it was just... They had a a page with all the anonymous programs. And, of course, the OA one, the letters were in red and they were blinking at me and all this kind of stuff. (laughs) And I'm going, oh, my God, is it time for OA? And I thought it was going to be something like Weight Watchers. I didn't know what I was walking into. And I went to my first meeting. And the first meeting... There were three people in this small uh, role meeting. There was this gigantic blonde woman. She wasn't that gigantic, but she was a big blonde woman. And she jumped out of her chair and she came and gave me a big hug. And I'm going, Oh my God, what is this? (laughs) The other two people sat in the back and they looked like they were totally pissed off at the world. Can I say that word? (laughs) I don't know. Edit that one out. Anyways, they just looked like they were mad. And I'm going, Why are they mad if they're sitting? You know, I don't understand. So you gotta, you know, uh, a peppy person and two mad people, and I'm going, oh my god, what is this occult there? You know, at OA. But the one thing I heard at that meeting was, try five or six meetings and look for something you have. And I tried the next night. I tried the next meeting, which is the th- the Tuesday night meeting that I went to. At uh, of course it was in uh, at that time it was in Manhattan Beach. And there were about eight people there. And this one person was talking about seeing something on the TV. Uh, some tragedy, I don't know. It could have been like a Katrina or something. And she was so she was crying over all the the suffering, and she wanted to eat over it. And she was crying and crying, and everybody sort of stopped the meeting, and they they just kind of they kind of got around her and they hugged her. And I'm going, well, wow, these people seem to care. I thought the lady was Looney Tunes because she's talking about you know seeing something on TV and wanting to eat. But my life was always like that too. I always wanted to eat about certain things. So, anyways, I said well, I'm going to come back to this meeting. I've been going to that meeting. And that's my home group. So, I bought one book, you know, the Overeaters book, and I started going to that meeting every week, but I didn't change my life, and everything went exactly the same. I'd get up tired, at the snooze things, you know, I'm still eating, whatever, and I'm trying to find something, and people were talking about these great things that were happening in their life, or not happening in their life, how they're feeling, how they can, you know, I don't know, Th- things just happened, and they were able to deal with them, and I could never do that, and... Uh, I finally decided to ask for a sponsor. And there were two women in the group that were sa- raising their hands for sponsors, and I asked them, and they both said no. They said, Frank, you've got to find a guy as a sponsor. And I'm going, well, where are the guys in the South Bay? <laughs> okay? And they say, go to this meeting. It's a Saturday morning meeting. Well, I did exactly what, I don't know, some of you have probably done. I got there late so I wouldn't have to talk to anybody, and I sniffed in the back of the room, and then, you know, I looked around. And I'm going, who, who's the guy? Who can I ask to be my sponsor? And there was, a, there was an old guy at the meeting. There was a fat guy at the meeting. And there was a slob guy. That's how I put him in my head. Am I judgmental? Yes. Okay. So there's these three guys. And I'm going, oh, my God. These guys, I, you know, they say find somebody who has what you want. And I, you know, I want the guy to have a nice car. I want him to have, you know, a nice life. I, I don't want these old, you know, slob fat guys. I mean, what? what, what? Okay. And I left. I didn't know who to talk to. And I prayed about it, and I talked to other people, and they said, Frank, you got to go get a sponsor. So, in the, the, the way Frank thinks, and my wife says sometimes, I have, I, she calls it the cabool it just all mixes things up. But anyway, the way I thought <laughs> is that, okay, the smart kids usually at school sat at the front of the room. So I made this deal. I said, whoever sits the closest to the podium at that meeting on Saturday, I'm going to ask to be my sponsor. <laughs> so I snuck in, and I'm watching. And here comes the, you know, the fat guy, and he sits about in the middle. And then, and then the old guy went right to the front. And I said, no, not the old guy. But the old guy went right to the front. And I said, okay. So this was Labor Day weekend almost six years ago. And I went to the old guy after, and I said, and his name is Jack Z. And I said, Jack, um, Will you be my sponsor? And he gave me this look, and he said, he wrote down his phone number. He says, call me at seven o'clock tonight. I said, okay. So at seven o'clock, we were supposed to go out and see a movie, and then we were going to have dinner and a movie that night. So we're we're going to do that. And my wife says, let's go. And I'm going. Nope, I got to call this guy. Seven o'clock. I call him on the phone. Hi. Yep. You willing to go to any lengths? I go. Yes, I am. He goes. Well. How many meetings are you going to? I say, one. He goes, I want you to go to four meetings a week. And I go, four? You know, it's in my head. Of course, what am I doing? I'm sitting around watching TV and eating chips. But I mean, I said, okay, I guess I can try four meetings a week. And then he he said, do you know what your poison foods are? And I said, what's a poison food? He goes, you know, something where you just have one, you can't stop. And I looked up at the refrigerator and I saw those chips. I go, yeah, I got an idea. He goes, I want you to write those all down. All your poison foods. Everything you think you can't stop. You have, you know, you have one. You went the whole carton. You went the box. You went whatever. I said, okay. So he said, you know what your semi-poison foods are? And I said, semi-poison foods. What are those? And he goes, you know, like some people have a glass of milk and they think of cookies. Or you eat peanut butter sometimes and you can, it's fine. But other times you went the whole jar. You know, it calls you. And I said. Oh, yeah, I guess I can come up with those. He goes, okay, I want you to write those down and why you think they are. And I said, all right. I said, when do you want this? And I thought we were supposed to talk next Saturday, right? I just met him. He says, well, we haven't talked about when you're going to start calling me every day. And I said, oh, yeah. He said, 5.30. And I said, well, I get off of work at something. And he goes, no, 5.30 a.m. And I go, Huh? And he goes, and you can't call me before, you can't call me after, because I'm talking to other people. And I'm going, what kind of idiot's up at 5 in the morning talking to people? And I go, and I said, the weirdest thing, I said, okay, I'll call you. (laughs) So now I have a time I'm supposed to call him. I still don't know when I'm supposed to turn in my list. And he said, well, what I want you to do is write this down and me his email address. He said, I want you to write it all down and email it to me, and we'll talk at 5.30 tomorrow morning. And I'm thinking, wait a second, that's tonight. And I'm planning to go out with my wife. I'm planning to go out and have dinner and doing all this kind of stuff. And, and of course, that something in me said, okay, I'll do it. And I, I went out. I did have dinner. I did have, we saw a movie, and I got back a little before midnight. And I got, sat down in the computer for a couple hours and wrote this stuff up. I emailed it to him and got up at 530 in the morning and called him. And I've been doing that for almost six years now, uh-huh. calling him at 530 every morning. And the only time I don't call him is when he tells me, don't call me because he's busy or he does something. And then he says, call me at 10 o'clock or call me at another time or, you know, you have two days off because I'm going to be gone for the weekend. And I call him every morning. About two and a half years after we started this relationship, because it is a relationship, your sponsor or somebody you learn to trust, he actually said something out of his mouth like, well, Frank, maybe you should call me maybe twice a week now. And I did one of those Scooby-Doo moments. I go, huh? You know? Because I'm used to talking to this guy. When something comes up, I call him. When something's not working the way I think it's supposed to be, or if I'm having a problem, or whatever the reason is in my life, I call him every morning, and we talk. And I I was just totally... It was. I felt like I was being abandoned. You know, you throwing me out now. You know, I don't need you anymore. And, I, and I, I, say, I say, you know, this is really weird. I said, you know, I don't want to do that. I spoke up for myself, and he said, okay, you can keep calling me, and he's kept me, so I still call him, and you know, we've been through some crazy stuff, and sometimes he says, I'm not doing something, sometimes he likes to throw the, you know, sponsored thing out, one time I was having trouble with a meeting, and I said, wow, if I could just find this meeting at noon sometime during the week, and so he said, in his wisdom, he says, so when are you going to start one? And I go, "Uh, no, 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 you didn't hear me, he goes, I heard you. So when are you going to start one? I haven't started a meeting yet. And I had did I did find a meeting that I could go to. Because he, he still wants me to go to certain meetings a week. He calls me sometimes and asks me to you know change what I'm doing and go to a different meeting to see, hear a speaker or something. Find a piece of literature. He says, I would like you to go to this literature and write on it. You know, this kind of stuff. He does this stuff to me. And that voice in the back of my head that says, No, I don't want to do this, comes out of my mouth like, Okay, I'll do it. So... Here I am going to OA, and I start working the steps. Now, I have a sponsor, and I think, okay, I'm going to get better. This is going to be work good. Now, this is the beginning of September. Our anniversary is the end of September. That's when we got married, and my wife and I went on a trip to Santa Barbara. We were up by Solvang. We, went, we were walking around on one of the missions. And, and um, I was sitting at a fountain, and I got up because I heard something and I came back and my wife said oh I missed this I missed it and I go what were you trying what did you miss she goes you look so peaceful there I wanted to take a picture of you I said oh that's nice she said because when you die I'll have a picture of you looking nice and peaceful and I'm going I'm not dying but this light went on in my head you know I don't know about alcoholism I'm not an alcoholic but I know that if, you know when an alcoholic's drinking he gets in the car he could die he could kill somebody else And with the weight I was carrying, I could have had a heart attack. I could have killed somebody else. The food I was putting in my mouth was hurting me, and it could potentially hurt somebody else, but my family worries about me, just like if they were worrying about an alcoholic. And I never thought of that that way. I I thought it was like, hey, this is my food. Get out of my life. You know, I want to eat these cookies, or I want to eat these potato chips. It's not any of your concern. But I never looked at it as, I, I affect people around me. And this little light went on in my head. And... That's when I started doing, really doing what my sponsor asked me to do. Because my sponsor would say, could you read this and write a paragraph? And I'd go, yeah, sure. You know, and I'd do it half-assed. And now I started doing it. And that first year and a half, he had me go three pages through the book, not just the 164, the whole thing in the fourth edition, three pages at a time, and I wrote, and I would call him and tell him what I did. And, you know, some nights I'd come home and I'd be so tired and I just wouldn't want to do it. And I'd go sit there in the room for about you know twenty five minutes re- reading it because for some reason my mind would not click in, or I'd have to read it three times or whatever I'd have to do, and then I'd have to write that paragraph down. And uh, and then you know sometimes I'd send it to him, and in all his wisdom he'd say stuff like, "I go, did you read it?" And He goes, "No, I didn't have time." And I go, ah, "You know, I spent so much time working on that," and he goes, "Good." Well, that's what I want you to do. Keep working on that big book. Keep reading it, you know. You know read every little thing in that book. And he says, I'm going to tell you one right now. When you read it the second time, it's going to be different. When you read it the third time, it's going to be different again. Because I, And I heard this someplace. I have a problem. My problem was I thought everything was a problem. That was my problem. I mean, you know, you'd come up to me and say hi, and I'm thinking, okay, what does she want? You'd come up to me and say, you know, you want to go out? Oh, my, oh, I'll, tell you, oh I'll tell you once for My sponsor asked me if I wanted to go have breakfast with him. This is right about, about a year into the thing. I totally freaked. Oh, my God, he wants to see me eat. Oh, he, he, what does he want to do? You know, he's going to match it, of course, the stuff I'm sending him for my food list. I don't know what he's doing, and he's asking me this. And I go, i think about it, whatever, and I put the phone down. And I went to my wife, and I go, he wants to ask me to eat. She looks at me, and she goes, Frank, if anybody asks you, Anybody else asked you, do you want to go eat? What would you say? I'd say, sure. He goes, so what's different about you and your sponsor? I go, oh. Okay, call him back. I said, sure. So we went out and had breakfast. And I have breakfast with him every once in a while. My sponsor loves IHOP. I don't know why, but he does. So whenever we go out, usually, and we, it's usually when I see him, if we go out on a Sunday, we go to eat IHOP, and then we go to Serenity Sunday. And we do that. So, but it's it's been a it's been a great thing. And I started working the steps, and you know something happened to me. And I don't know how to explain it other than um, my life stayed the same. I mean, you know, I was ready when I started OA, I was ready to tell to everybody at my work that I hate your guts, and I take this job and you know do whatever you're going to do with it. But my sponsor said, don't do anything. You know, wait a year to make a decision when I first got in. And then I heard somebody at one of these meetings talking about, do you want a better job? I My ears opened up. Boy, I'm going, this is good. Do I want a better job? Yeah. And so he gets about halfway through his little spiel, and he says, if you want a better job, be a better employee. And I go, oh, no, not one of those. And then I, and I started realizing... That's what I can apply to my life. If I want a better job, be a better employee. If I want to be a better husband, I mean a better marriage, be a better husband. If I want to be a better, you know, brother, you know, a sibling, be a better brother or a sister, you know, to my, to my brother or my sister. Everything works that way now. I realize my attitude is what was causing me to act, that, to be crazy. You know, everybody else gets, I mean, you know, your car breaks down. You might say, okay. You know, I'll call AAA. My car breaks down. Why is God punishing me? You know, you know what's going on here? And I realize now that's my barometer to tell me if, something, if I'm in, in a spiritual place or not. If I start getting irritated, if I start getting pissed off, I realize I'm not in a good spiritual place. And it happened on the way over here. I was nervous when I was driving over here. And we ended up going the wrong way and my wife said something to me and I kind of snapped at her.
1: And I realized...
0: Uh-oh, I'm irritable. I said, I'm sorry. I realize, you know, and I realize, I know that's what's happening and I said a little prayer and I calmed down. And, you know, the GPS is nice. The GPS just keeps turning you around and getting you in the right way. But, you know, I just didn't know. It's just, I, I know now that's my little barometer. So, the biggest thing I think I I had a struggle with when I started was the whole thing with the higher power and I think that's a big thing with a lot of people because, I had this thing when I was a kid where um, we had a pet cat. I always kept cats again, and the cat started getting sick. And you know, when you're an eight-year-old or whatever, and you're praying to God for this cat to get better, and the cat dies, you think God's not listening to you. There's something wrong with God. All this stuff goes on, and I did the same thing. And my mom would always drag me to church anyways. And then one day I realized I didn't have. I could say no. That was a big thing. And I said no. And I stopped going. And I stopped doing any of this church stuff and, you know, whatever. So when I came in and they asked me about God and they said stuff, and, you know, and I'm thinking, Ooh, you know, higher powers and, you know, who's it? God's always been mean to me. You know, the, the ministers would yell and talk about how, you know, you don't do the right thing, you're going to hell or something like that. And I'm going, well, I don't like that kind of God. And, you know, I learned here that the, the God of my understanding and this is somebody I said, is, the God of my understanding that I don't understand is, is a nice God. He's a, he's a friendly God. Uh, and I need Him. And I need Him more when I'm alone than when I'm in these rooms. I need Him more than when I'm around people. I feel alone sometimes in the middle of the night. And that's when I... See, that's when that sneak eating used to come in. And that's when I have to pray the hardest. Because... In the middle of the night, when my wife's asleep, I could easily just get up, go hit the refrigerator. You know, I had many of those nights where I opened that refrigerator door and I said, "I don't know what I want, but I want something in here," and nothing in there would fix me. And I try everything—I mean, every shelf—and I tried stuff on, oh, in the cupboards and everything, but nothing fixed me. And I was stuck with this feeling of not being okay, and so. Then you you know, I'd go to sleep tired again and I'd wake up and I'd then you know, I'd start the whole day over again. So even being miserable was my thing. And I think I think the three emotions that I always felt were anger, fear, and sadness. Okay. So let's see, the sadness came from I guess that whole thing about you know, I don't I always felt I got the short end of the stick in life, you know. Uh, school work, oh, yes, Frankie, we know you have a load, but can you handle this, and um, everything, I mean, you know, I, I just didn't know how, so I was always in that past place, why didn't I get that, why didn't this happen to me, and I felt sad over that stuff, the um, the fear is always in the future, I was always, you know, thinking about, okay, I go to work and, you know, oh. I'd get an email, they wouldn't, they'd not They catch me and realize that I'm not the person they think I am, whatever the reason, and I'd be f- afraid of that stuff. Or my wife would, you know, find out she doesn't like me and she divorced me, or, you know, whatever the reason. I mean, I'd go to that extreme very quickly. Uh, and so I was always in fear. Now, the anger is a, a very strange thing. Um, that, at my house, when I was growing up, my dad... That was the only emotion that was okay for me to have. You know, you're not supposed to be nurturing, loving, any of that stuff. You're not supposed to be kind. You know, well, if you show it, don't don't show it. But you know, anger's okay. You know, we'd be, um, I don't know, someplace and. I don't know, playing baseball and something happened. You go, Frank, turn that anger into something and get a home run. You know, take this and take that anger and do more. Uh, you're, you're not happy with what's going on in school? Get that A's. Get those A's and just turn that anger into construction. Be determined and go do it. Anger was okay. But I realized I have these things, these laser bolt eyes that I give people. And, you know, people would come to me at work and they'd go, Frank, my mouse is not working. And i you know, and they'd go, oh, I'm afraid to ask this guy for anything, you know. And I just would be, because I was in that place where, how dare you ask me for something, even though that's my job, you know. You know? And, and I realize now that um, asking me for help um, is where I want to be. I want to be the person that helps people now. I pray for that every, every night and every morning. The thing I pray for is for, give me somebody in my life that I can help. I want to be the person that will be there for somebody. And I ask for the guidance and the strength to help them. That's, that's what I, my prayer is. Because I realize in this program, being of service is the most important thing to me now. And that keeps me centered. My sponsee in OA. I don't know. She just asked me questions that get me thinking about this program. And I'm, I'm realizing that she's my gift. You I know, mean, I, sometimes I think, I used to think of her as my, you know, oh, not her. She's, you know, she's had five other people that were sponsors, and she can't figure out what her absence is, and she's just totally lost in this program. And I said, yes. Pro- There's that little voice in her. I said, sure, I, I'll help you. And we've been, we've been talking. And uh, come the end of September, it's been almost a year. So, that's good. And I don't know if her life is any better, but I know mine is. And I know that when I sit and talk with her, and I give a little myself, I let go of that little thing inside of me that I was holding on to. All those little pieces of crud, some of them come out. And I get a little bit closer to God listening to... And it's so funny because when I tell her stuff, in the back of my head it says, hey, "I should try that too." You know, <laughs> <laughs> that sounds like a good idea. You know, and I, I just, I just love my time with her, and uh, you know, it, it, it's, I, I hear, I hear myself in her, and that's the, and the one thing I, I asked my sponsor and asked my wife, if it was okay to sponsor this woman, and I still don't know if we're going to do a four step. It's the fifth step together, because I don't. I the way I look at it, she asked me for help, and I'm willing to do it. But I don't want to get into any you know things that might be a little uncomfortable for her, me, my wife, anybody. So I made sure everything was aboard. Up, up and I still don't, we haven't even started the steps. We're still going through the Big Book, and we're almost done with it. And um, it's good. It's a good place to be. And it started me thinking about maybe it's time for me to work my steps again. And uh, I don't know. I've read the big book now probably four times. And uh, I went to a big book workshop, and I love that too. And it's just the idea that it's just. I realized that every time I pick it up, I don't know how they do this, but they put extra words in there or they change stuff around. It's like when you go in the supermarket and then you change the aisles around. It's just like that big book works like that for me. You know, okay, the vegetables used to be on this aisle. How come they're not here today? You know, but it, I find that stuff in there. And uh, I, I don't know. I, so I, every morning now I pray. I go to work. I listen to, I have, I love, I have a little iPod. I download all these things from the speaker myself. And I listen to speakers, all kinds of speakers. Um, and I'm very happy about it. I'm very, um, I'm very happy in the sense that I realize now. How can I put this? I think I have value now. In fact, I know that. Before I came into these rooms, I thought if I bought this car, that would give me value. If I had this wife, that would give me value. If, you know, I got this A on something, that would give me value. And I put I put my, like, you know, they th- talk about happiness as an inside job. I put my happiness in everything on the outside. And it never worked. And I never could fill that hole from the outside. And uh, then now to be able to turn around and say, I have value. And I'm, and I'm okay the way I am. Even though when I get up and I'm grumpy or whatever, that doesn't matter. I'd say... My sponsor says, Frank, you can have a, a day where nothing happens the way you wanted it to happen. But if you go to bed abstinent, you've had a good day. And I think about that now. I mean, this is the thing. I'm, I have a problem with overeating. I have uh, I have lost 90 pounds in this program. That's what I did from when I went down. And I lost the 90 pounds in probably the first two and a half years. And I've been almost six years. And I haven't lost anymore. And, you know, sometimes when I go past the mirror... I look at myself, I'm going, taste hey, stud, you know, I'm really happy about myself. And then other times, I'll look and I go, oh, I'm a fat so. And it's all up here, you know. It's my attitude, how I look, how I feel is, and I, that's the whole thing. Is They tell me, don't worry about um, h- how you feel. I have heard this. Don't feel about, don't worry about, you know, if you feel you're doing your program right or you're doing your program wrong, forget all the feelings. What you got to do is just act as if and keep acting that way. Okay? So if I don't feel my spiritual connection, that doesn't mean I can quit. You know, I can just stay in bed today and not go to work. There was a guy, I'm going to tell you, there's one of the 12-step programs I go to, there's a man that has colon cancer. And he's not doing that well. And he's been in and out of the hospital and he keeps getting dinner and I don't know how much longer he has. Uh, last weekend I was talking to his wife said to everybody that he went and had his eyes checked for new glasses. And I'm thinking about this. I well here's a man that could definitely has every reason to say, you know, why even bother with that kind of stuff? Why go to the dentist? Why go have the eyes checked? You know, I'm dying. I don't need that stuff anymore. And he went to the eye doctor. And I just said, you know, there's a guy that has courage. There's a guy that plans to live for a while. You know, he's not giving up on his life just because he has this disease. And I shouldn't do the same thing. I have a disease. I have a disease called compulsive overeating. reading And, you know, some days it's sort of like, in, I would say in remission. You know, God gives me this, has given me this abstinence and I'm very happy with it. Some days... On a hot day someplace, I'll be sitting there, and I'll see somebody eating an ice cream cone, and I start going, oh, yeah, I remember that. Double dippers and all that <laughs> stuff with the peanuts and all that stuff. And then I realize, I go, something kicks in, and I go, here, poison, 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 and I realize it's not for me. you know, Because in our house, my wife has her own food, and when I look at it, I hear that word. I say, poison, poison, poison. Because I would not go into my wife's purse and get money. Why would I go into the refrigerator and get her food? That's her stuff. Okay, and uh, it works for me. It works for me today. Today I had a wonderful day. I was, one of the things that I never used to do is I never I, I didn't I didn't have my value systems right, and I had the only thing that I needed guidance take care of Frank. But now my value. This morning we got up late. We went and made breakfast together. I hated working with my wife on anything because she never did it the way I wanted it to do it. Okay. She would wash the dishes funny, she would cook the stuff food funny, you know, she would do everything crazy and I realized that's not true. Okay. So now we made breakfast together. And then we went to the farmers market and I made got the food I need for the week, which I never planned before for food. I mean and I get, you know, organic if I can get it. If not, that's fresh stuff. And then I cooked my chicken for the, for this coming week for my lunches. You know, I go buy the skinless chicken breasts because my doctor says you have to eat healthier. And I, mean, I have a nutritionist that said, kick the caffeine. I stopped going to Starbucks. All this stuff starts coming into play and I'm feeling better about myself today. And I'm eating healthy and I'm spending time with people and spending time and looking forward to spending time with people. You know, this as back to my summer thing, I was going to tell you, so the love-hate, I hate to take my shirt off. I did, you know, this this summer, we went on a trip to Europe. Um, we've been to the beach at least once. I got all sunburned. I got toasty. Um, you know, we've been to a couple plays. We take walks every day. I look forward to my summers now because I realize it's my attitude. The same same thing that's happened, that could have happened back when I was a teenager, never did. Today, I get up, and I look forward, and I say, thank you, God, for this day you gave me. And I don't know what you're going to give me. And, you know, God gives us these little presents, and, you know, they're nice and wrapped, and they're all around my bed. That's how I envision them. And I have the choice to go and, you know, you know, shake them, or, you know, this one's bigger, this one's smaller. Things, good things come in little packages. I don't know. And I, I don't know which to open. And, you know, I open one. And then you know the next day there's a whole new set of packages, and God gives me something else. And uh, I pray every morning, besides praying for to help other people, I say, you know, take away that judgmental thing for me, because I don't know what a gift is. You, I, I always look at stuff. Being, you know, I said found this: if God put a car in my driving, you know, in my driveway, my place would be, well, you know, who's going to pay for the insurance? You know, you know, can I park it on Thursdays? Where, where, you know, all these things that go through my head. You know, instead of saying thank you for the car, I'm in total negative land. You know, I really would... And that's what happens. Something happens in my life, and it takes me now. I realize I can look over my shoulder back at something that happened to me, and, you know, that thing where I thought was bad, has turned out to be something plus for me. And, uh, yeah. I mean, um... I was at a point, I had, I'll, I'll finish off with this thing, I was at a point with um, about three years in where I said, why am I going to these meetings? I'm going to, you know, four meetings a week. You know, I, I'm not losing any more weight. What does this do for me? You know, and I'm saying, God, give me a sign that going to meetings means something. So I went to this meeting, a little workshop down in Orange County. And I saw—I didn't know anybody in the meeting except for one lady and I saw her at the end, and I went up and I gave her a hug. I said, it was good to see you. A month later, I hear her sharing at a meeting, and she prayed, and she said that she had prayed to God that, why am I going to be here? Give me a sign that I'm supposed to be in these rooms. And she said, then this guy came up and gave me a hug, and I knew that was a sign that I'm supposed to be in these rooms. And I knew who the guy that gave her the hug was. I knew it was me. And God answered my prayer, too. Sometimes the reason I'm in these rooms is not for anything other than to give somebody a hug, and maybe that will keep me in these rooms today. Again, I am so grateful for this program. And, you know, I got a few hugs before I came in, and I, I plan to give a few more because I want you all to stay. Thank you for letting me share. We have a few minutes for questions, so... Hi, thank you so much. Um, How do you share your program with your wife? How do you include her in your program? Sorry to tell you, you're okay? Okay. My wife is actually in these rooms also. She's in this fellowship. Uh, We go to some meetings together. And um, the biggest thing I have a problem with sharing is my attitude toward sharing. And she's she's much more vegan than I am. So, you know, I, I, but just sharing this, we prayed it every morning before we leave the house. I mean, we actually say our prayer before we leave the house, and that keeps me focused on what's important to me. It's not so much what's happening in the world, what's happening, you know, on the way to work or whatever. I realize that, you know, my my life is more than my job. My life is more than a lot of things, and she is a big part of my life, so I like to share that with her when we say our prayers in the morning. Um, we go to other 12-step programs together. We work on things, and, you know, taking a walk with her. We read books on Sunday. I mean... We do things together because I want to be part of my life, not so much like you know, honey, could you turn the light off as I'm watching the TV, you know, that kind of stuff. So
1: it's, it's important for
0: me to share something with her, and um, I wasn't I wasn't that way before I came my insurance. So I hope that helps a little bit. Yeah. Yes, sir. Okay, relationship with God before and now. Okay, God um, now is. I don't. I've given up trying to put him in a box. I, I say him. Maybe that's wrong, but I do say him, and I pray to him. Um, I, I got a feeling that, that there's a little bit of God in all of us, and i read. Somebody said one time, if you want to know God, talk to His children, and since we're all His children, that's where I get. I, I've realized that's where I'm finding my. My solution to what God is—I just have to keep talking to people and listening to them, and watch how they handle their stuff. And I usually pray, and it usually comes out like that lady that stood up and said something. If I pray and I and I ask for some kind of guidance, eventually something happens. And um, I, I, I so, like I said, he's a God of, under my—he's uh, uh, the God of my understanding, which I don't understand. I said, that's the closest I can. And just know he's not me. Now, when before I came into the rooms. The thing was, uh, I saw him as, um, you know, this, like, Moses kind of character on the hill, you know, the, the mountain throwing thunderbolts and, you know, doing all that kind of stuff and, and scaring the children, and, you know, and I was one of those children, okay? And uh, it, was, it was just, it wasn't uh, a pretty thing for me, and it wasn't somebody I could trust. I mean, I guess that's another issue I have is I don't trust anybody. I definitely don't trust God, and if if you're all his children, I don't trust you guys. So I don't know if that answers again. It's sort of a general. It's hard. I think we could probably sit down for a couple nights and talk about it, and I still wouldn't give you an answer. Uh, I have to say thank you. Thank you very much.